Hello everyone, welcome back. We're so super excited. Of course, Inside the Crazy Ant Farm has the latest and greatest industry news for you. But before we get started, you guys know us here at Crazy Ant Media are also a film and television production company. Yes. And things are rocking and rolling right now with our short film, Deadlines. Everybody yes. saw our little teaser that came out this week. If you have not, be sure to check it out. And man, oh man, people are very pumped. Oh yes, in Intense, and we love intense. Yes, we do. Oh man. my goodness! Thank you for watching it. Thank you for the comments. And if you haven't seen it, like he said, watch it. Do it. And it's just the beginning. It's just the freaking beginning. <laughs> and now let's get a little crazy. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. I can't do that voice the entire time, because holy fuck, that would suck. I am just saying, man. I'm just saying. We're super excited, though, because it is episode 179, and it is the Halloween episode. Yes, the fourth annual. I can't believe we've been doing it for four years now. I know. It's just so crazy. I know. I can't tell if you can't come out of your voice or if you're just going to try to do it the whole time. I may permanently be like this. Good now. luck. <laughs> just forever and always. Forever it's and always. It's the mask. It's making me talk. Exactly, like man. Exactly. But guys, like I said, we have the latest and greatest <laughs> industry news. That was going down in Hollywood, and we're super excited about it because some amazing trailers dropped this week, and some that some people are not too excited about. And I will say that Rotten Tomatoes gave Marvel Cinematic Universe its first ever rotten rating before we recorded the show. Now it's just barely past it. That's right. Oh man, oh man, are we going to dive deep into it. But before we get that started, be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com. Dot com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we got fall stuff. It's fall, y'all. Be sure to head over there and get your sweatshirt, your hats. Winter is just around the corner, so you know you're going to need to bundle up. And it's going to be the perfect gift for you to have underneath the tree for someone you love. That's right, and look for sales soon. We're going to be... Look for sales, man. Cutting prices. We're going to be slashing them down. <laughs> oh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. November has like four, so it's fucking yeah. wild. Um, let's get started with Disney and the Eternals this week. The latest installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has received the lowest rating of all the Marvel films from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, sinking it to just above the Rotten Territory with 60% of positive reviews. That's where we're at right now. Eternals yeah. is currently rated uh, several points lower than the previously lowest rated Marvel film back in 2013, which is Thor The Dark World, which... I'm surprised, because that one is pretty freaking bad, uh, which sits at a 66% rating. Eternals, which premieres November 15th next week, has yet to have been reviewed by every outlet, a factor that could significantly change the ratings when dozens more reviews and are added into the average. However, as the rating stands, has left critics much divided, and yeah. man, oh man, I know some of my friends are very divided about it because some of them don't even want to go to the theater and watch it. They'll rather just wait until it hits Disney+. Plus. And again, 
It's a Marvel movie. Right. Everybody always says this. They're not sure. Oh, I don't know. I don't know those characters. And then they go. Remember, we had the same kind of argument with Guardians of the Galaxy. It's true. Now it's one of the most favorite franchises of all the people. I think this is going to do the exact same thing. I think people that are weary about it, not sure about it, they're going to go and realize, oh, yeah, it's a Marvel movie and they know what they're doing. Exactly. So it's going to be awesome. Here's the one, the story that I kind of saw part of this that's kind of making me mad, though, is apparently folks are lining up once the uh, fan reviews are opened up on Rotten Tomatoes to hammer this thing and make it rotten mm. um, with because they're anti-LGBTQT. Because the they have the first gay couple... Uh, or same-sex couple and first gay character in a Marvel movie, and they're just lining up to hammer down on, on, on it to give it a rotten score. Um, what the fuck? Right. Like, why so much hate, people? This is... Uh, uh, kudos to Marvel for doing it and for finally having representation out there. This is the way it should be. These movies are based so that everybody can see themselves up on the screen. Exactly. Not just certain people. So, yeah, that really kind of made me mad yeah, when, I, when I saw that. That's really frustrating because, one, it's 2021. Get over yourself. Who the fuck cares about who loves who like let them do what they want to do like just exactly. leave people alone man it is their life let them make their own decisions cut that shit out and be encouraging <laughs> because it's all about love yeah. man it's really all about love get off of other people's backs <sighs> just okay. saying okay so now now that one we got that one out of the way we did Disney also owns another huge company, Pixar, right? And they had a huge trailer, which apparently caused a lot of confusion for a lot of people because a lot of people were complaining, where's Tim Allen, where's Tim Allen, where's Tim Allen? I was confused. I'm, I'm of course, talking about the fact that Pixar released the first trailer for the animated family-friendly sci-fi movie, Lightyear. Yes. As in, yes, Buzz Lightyear. Now... Just to clear up some of that confusion for all of the people asking why Tim Allen isn't voicing Buzz, the film doesn't actually follow the toy-sized spacefaring exploits of the iconic character from the Toy Story movies. Instead, the 2022 film introduces the real-life human astronaut whose adventures inspired the toy line scene in Toy Story. Ah, that's where now it is. in the trailer we see the real Buzz Lightyear, voiced by none other than Captain America himself, Chris Evans, suit up for what will surely be a dangerous and daring space mission. He boards a space shuttle with a ground control crew anxiously watching as it blasts off into the cosmos. To the tune of David Bowie's Starman, of course. Yes. Lightyear explores alien planets, learns about space travel from an instructional robot, and finally, the big payoff, he gazes at his iconic, famous green and white space suits. Love it. Yes. Now, Lightyear is scheduled to fly into theaters on June 17, 2022. Get this, guys. The trailer clocked 83 million views in the first 24 hours after dropping on Wednesday. That number not only beats the 24-hour traffic of teasers from Toy Story 4, which only had 62 million, Soul 32 million, and Luca 28 million, but it also beats the that uh, trailer of The Eternals, which had 77 million views from its first online trailer at the end of May. However, in case you're wondering, don't worry, don't panic, Eternals is still ranks as the most watched trailer for the Disney Marvel movies during the pandemic. Yes. So don't freak out. Don't exactly. Freak out, yeah. I'm excited about this, though, because it's a different story that we really haven't seen before. I mean, there hasn't... I've never heard of anything like 
oh, this is a story about a toy or about some sort of anim- animatic object, uh, and that they tell you the, who what it's based off of. So I think it's very freaking interesting. I like it. I like it. I'm excited to see it, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, 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 it's definitely a way to carry on the franchise, right? And I think people were so engulfed in the fact that the toys talked, right? right? That the story was always about the toys. But... The story was actually about the family. It was. And the little boy whose toys they were. And so that is real world. And now, so we're seeing more of that real world. And I think it's a brilliant way to carry on the franchise. Right? Because, I mean, who's, toy, or who's Woody based off of? Is he based off of, like, uh, Pat Garrett? Or the dude from, like, um, Tombstone? What's I mean, his name? maybe like, Doc uh, Holliday? Yeah, like, Doc Holliday, White Herb. Like, I mean... You know, there's so many people that uh, Woody could be based on. Will of. we see a Pixar Western telling us who he is? Right. Like, I mean, maybe. It's very, Bo Peep. <laughs> Bo Peep needs one inclusiveness. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm excited, though. It's very freaking interesting and different. And that's yes. what we need. Agreed. Uh, something that's different. I saw this one coming, to be honest with you. I don't uh, think a lot of people did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill Murray is joining the MCU. Uh, Murray confirmed in a recent interview that he has already filmed a super secretive role for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. As the most recent casting news, Marvel Studios has yet to unveil Murray's involvement or potential role, and the actor didn't specify which character he'd be playing. He just said that he was in it. So, it's very freaking interesting. I have no app... I, like, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I, Mr. Comic Book, do you have any I've idea? I've been like, racking my brain, honestly, trying to figure out who he might be. Right. And I, I saw a, a little quote from him saying that the Marvel movies are not necessarily his thing, but apparently he was wooed heavily oh. by Peyton Reed to join the film. So, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've been racking my brain trying to figure out who Bill Murray would be good as. For sure. And I don't know. Yeah. So I, I guess we're going to find out. Exactly. Uh, hey, speaking of Disney and diversity and inclusiveness and doing the right thing, I love this next one too. Grey's Anatomy has cast ER Fightmaster as the show's first non-binary doctor. Viewers first saw ER Fightmaster in the role of Dr. Kai Bartley in the third episode of this season as Meredith was being wooed by the well-funded Minnesota hospital who wanted her to join their quest to cure Parkinson's disease. Now, though, ABC has announced that Fightmaster, who is non-binary in real life, as is Kai, has become a recurring member on the Grey's Anatomy cast the first time a non-binary actor has played a doctor on the show. Well done. Kudos. I, th- I, th- I think smart move. Again, inclusiveness, representation, allowing people to see themselves up on the screen that they can identify with. I think it's a brilliant move. Um, Billions has long had the, the non-binary character and it went Taylor and went over massively well. So I think everybody's ready for this. I think the world is ready for this. And Congrats to Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I think it's very influential, and I'm excited because if you were watching, you kind of knew this was going to happen because Meredith's role in Minnesota and how she is splitting her time between uh, Grace alone and Minnesota. She's actually trying to come up with a cure for Parkinson's, and they are a part of this team to help this journey continue moving forward and try to come up with this epic cure, which would be absolutely amazing. So it only makes sense that their role got inflated much. Uh, And I mean, I think it's very interesting too, because I'm going a little off topic, but Amelia is kind of in the middle of the road trying to figure out her life. So I wouldn't be surprised if 
them and Amelia like kind of had mm. a thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So we shall see, man. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, Alzavaldo, uh, Benavides, uh, even with the mask on, guys, it's still bad. It's still bad. Uh, who was recently promoted to series regular on the ABC medical drama The Good Doctor is exiting the show. What? Uh, he plays Dr. Mateo Ozma. Uh, uh, joined the, the series as a guest star in the two-part season four finale and subs- subsequently promoted to series regular status at the beginning of season five. An exit storyline is planned, but is being kept under wraps right now. So hmm. that's very interesting. I mean, very in and out. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, I knew he was controversial and they've made, you know, no secret about the storyline that he had past troubles and that he would be always under supervision. And yeah. But, I mean, why make him a series regular if you're just going to write him off? Just have him as a recurring guest star and then write him off. Like, exactly. I just, I don't even get that. Right. I, I don't know. I'm super excited about this next one, and I really didn't think it was any kind of huge news. It was no surprise. ABC announced that The Wonder Years and Home Economics have both received nine-episode back orders to round out their current seasons. Now, The Wonder Years, a reboot of the 1988 ABC sitcom of the same name, Duh, from Fred Savage, uh, had its series premiere on September 22nd with new episodes airing weekly on Wednesdays at 8.30. Now get this, since its premiere, episodes of The Wonder Years have averaged 4.8 million total viewers after seven days of viewing across all of its platforms. Home Economics also premiered on the 22nd with its second season. New episodes air Wednesdays at 9.30 for that. Now, season two of Home Economics has averaged 3.6 million total viewers and a 0.9 rating amongst the coveted 18 to 49. Uh, so, again, no, yeah, no real surprise. I, I know everybody that I talk to uh, thoroughly enjoying the Wonder Years. Yeah. Um, I, you know... I think people were skeptical at first, like, okay, we're going to go back there, we're going to try this again, but it's such a different story than the original Wonder Years, and yet exactly the same. Agreed. And I, Don Sheedle is just slaying it as it unreal yeah congratulations dude you are you're gonna have a huge career bro. agreed i mean i just something that disney is doing more than anyone else they can create content that gathers the whole family no matter what age you are sits you down in the living room and watch something together that is entertainable or entertaining for everyone so yeah, i think agreed. that's what they have a leg up on everybody which i mean it's disney by no surprise uh <laughs> lizette alexis has been cast in the disney plus national treasure series the show which hails from disney branded uh television and abc signature is an expansion of the nicholas cage fronted movie franchise of the same name only this time the story will be told from the point of view of the young dreamer in search of answers about her family now, uh, Alexis will play Jess, who embarks on an adventure of a lifetime to uh, uncover the truth about her past and save a lost or uh, a lost Pan American treasure. Jess is described as brilliant, resourceful, and a lover of a good mystery with a natural aptitude of solving puzzles. Over the course of the show. Uh, Jess dis- undisco- uncovers her own buried history and her connection to the long lost treasure mm. i know i mean i'm excited i've always been a fan of the franchise i love the fact that they're expanding the world a little bit on it and uh it, like you said disney's been knocking out some great content so 
I'm excited for that one. I am too, and I mean, I've always been a fan as well, so I think it's going to do well. Anything that Disney Plus is putting on right now is going really well. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, speaking of, anytime anything's coming out on this, it's doing really well. I'm talking about Hulu, of course. Yes. Uh, Hulu has put into development, I'm super freaking pumped about this, guys, an hour-long drama series entitled The Golden Cage. Now, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina alum and Mad Men alum uh, Kirm Shipka is attached to star in the project, and this is why I was all in from the second that I saw it. It's being described as Suits meets Wall Street. Enough said, man. Suits meets Wall Street, two of my all-time favorite things ever. I'm all in. The Golden Cage explores the lengths of one woman and what she will go to camouflage her past while climbing the dizzying heights of Wall Street. Mm. I freaking love it. It sounds really freaking exciting. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm pumped. pumped. And it's a Hulu series, so it's going to be epic. Exactly, exactly. Well, production has officially gone uh, underway (laughs) on the Kardashian-Jenner family's new Hulu series and famous clan that has teamed up for the Fuel of 73 to produce their first project with the streaming service. Few details have been released about the show, which is currently untitled, but it is described by Hulu as a Kardashian-Jenner's next chapter as they bring viewers a new intimate journey into to their lives. Oh. What? Uh, um, the project is the first to come from the family's new content deal with Hulu. Following their departure from E!, the multi-year pact with Disney was announced in December 2020 with a global content streaming on Hulu in the U.S., Star Plus in Latin America, and Disney Plus all over different territories. So basically, keeping up with the Kardashians came to an end because the Kardashians... Didn't want to work with E anymore, basically. Right, right. So, or Ryan Seacrest. Who knows? Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't Ryan Seacrest. I can say that I did see that Ryan Seacrest will also be an executive producer on this series. Nice! Yeah, so it must not have been Ryan. It right? must have just been E. Yeah. So, okay. Makes well, sense. you know. I mean, Ryan did kind of discover them and put them into reality TV, so it'd be it shitty did. if they didn't bring him. It would. Like, it was probably in his contract. Exactly. You're bringing me. Like, yeah, I am always a part of this. That's okay? right. That's right. You can't get rid of Ryan either. Exactly. Like, the Kardashians and Ryan, they're both there forever. It's fine. Uh, FX has ordered a new comedy pilot from Peter Tolan titled Belated. Mm. The half-hour project is about an unexpected... De- okay. This sounds really interesting. And again, with the inclusion, I I, I love this. It is about an unexpected intergenerational friendship between Owen, a recently outed man in his 40s, and Clay, a 17-year-old trans teen, as Owen and his ex-wife and children attempt to find their new normal. Mm. Tolan will direct and executive produce the pilot. The pilot brings Tolan back into the FX fold, where he previously co-created the hit FX series Rescue Me with Dennis Leary, which I was a huge fan of. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited about this. I mean, this is going to be a really interesting story. Yeah, FX is putting out some awesome stuff right now. So, and I mean, it sounds perfect for that platform. So, yeah, like you said, I'm really freaking pumped about that one. Uh, Fox, John Hamm will voice the lead character of the new Fox animated comedy series, Grimsburg. The series, which is slated to debut on the broadcaster in 2023, will see Ham play Marvin Flute, uh, maybe the greatest detective ever to catch a cannibal <laughs> clown or correctly identify a mid-century modern amour. Amore. Um, but there's one mystery he still can't crack, and that is 
his family. Now that uh, now that he's back in uh, Grimsburg, a town where everyone has a secret or three, Flute will follow every lead. He's got to redeem himself with the ex-wife he never stops loving, even if it means hanging out with the son he never bothered to get to know. Mm. Damn. Mm. Damn, that sounds deep. I mean, that adult... I mean, adult animated comedy series that also has a nice underlying message. Yes. So I'm very freaking interested, and I'm very excited because I told myself once we started, I will at least get through Disney, and fuck my life, my face is on fire. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I feel so much better. Relief. Relief. Oh, my goodness. I can't yes. do it. You can't do it. No, you I can't really can't. do it. All right, all right. Yeah. I'm going to try. Yeah, good luck. I'm going to try. More power to uh, you. Maybe one more. I'm super excited, let me just say, because all these Mad Men alum are making their way back to TV. They are. You know, we just talked about Kieran, who played John Hamm's daughter on Mad Men. Now John Hamm, of course. Danny Strong slaying it with Dope Sick and what he's got going on. And I just... Uh, I mean, everybody, uh, Scarecrow on Titans. Yeah. yeah, I mean, any all these guys just making their way back to television. And right. I'm excited and pumped. Uh... Okay, jump into the bunny, okay? Yes. Jump into the bunny. In the biggest non-surprise story of the week, Dune officially getting a sequel. Warner Brothers will distribute the film and help finance it, though Legendary is the primary money behind the movie and owns the film rights to the book series. The film is expected to have an exclusive theatrical run, and Legendary is most likely going to make that point ironclad after Dune debuted Mm. simultaneously in the theaters and on HBO Max last week. Now, Dune Part 2 will hit theaters on October 20th, 2023. Casting for the film's second part has not yet been announced, but many members of the ensemble, such as uh, Timothy Chalamet, have said they're game to come back for more. Well, you would hope so, since the characters have to continue. I mean, like... And don't worry, don't. That's why Zendaya was only in it for seven minutes, guys. Yeah, literally. Part two's coming. Okay. Yeah, she's gonna play a major role. But I mean, oh, yeah. like we said last week, they just didn't confirm it yet. But no shit. I mean, come <laughs> on, man, come on. That's right. Uh, but HBO has announced that it has renewed Succession. No shit. Yet again, <laughs> uh, for a fourth season. The ratings for the show, which was created by Jesse Armstrong, have soared since. Since the season three premiere on October 17th, the first episode of season three drew the series high viewership with 1.4 million viewers across all HBO platforms that night, which we told about last week. According to the network, that was the best premiere night ratings of any HBO series since HBO Max launched back in May of 2020. So, I mean, it's just very exciting. This is on my list to start before the end of the year. Uh, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, it just seems like one of those shows that falls in the line of uh, just great power dramas about exactly. uh, ensemble casts. So I'm super... <laughs> I'm just trying to get this guy off my head, You're man. Struck. Just, just <laughs> get off my head, bro. Uh, he's, like all... a, he's a little creepy. He it's is okay. a little creepy. Uh, <laughs> this, this next story, though, is not creepy. And I'm kind of really super excited about this one. The Vale Zod series that Michael B. Jordan is set to executive produce for HBO Max yes. has found its writers. Darnell Medier and Josh Peters are now set to write the project, which will focus on Val Zod, the second DC character to take up the mantle of Superman. Uh. 
Now, if you guys aren't familiar, Vale is a black Kryptonian who found his way to Earth and eventually uses his powers to fight evil, including, at one point, a brainwashed Superman, which was a really interesting storyline. Now, why am I really excited about this? One, because I love the character. Two, I'm excited to see a representation of black Superman. Three, it's Michael B. Jordan, so you know it's going to be awesome. But if you guys have been watching BMF, like, oh my gosh, it's such an amazing show. Well, that's where those names sound familiar to you. Uh, Medier and Peters most recently worked on uh, BMF, the Star Series, and Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Yes. So just based on what I've seen from their work on on the Star Series, BMF, I'm all in on this. I think they're brilliant writers, and I think it's going to be epic. Right, and I really like how Superman has become back... I like become more relevant recently because they're trying to do all these different interpretations of the character Yeah. because they've been focusing on Batman so freaking much that, I mean, it kind of, I mean, not really because Batman's still Batman, but in a sense makes you a little tired of the character in a sense, not a lot, but Superman needs, he's supposed to be the best one of all time, but I also he's the feel like, of them all. I, I mean, feel like that's why people don't do like his interpret are more interpretations of him because critics are going to just go crazy over that one. But I'm excited about it because like I said, just different stuff, man. That's what we need. That's what we need. I don't disagree with you there. Look how, how upset people got when Henry Cavill's Superman killed. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. If you just change him the tiniest bit, people freak the fuck out. Exactly. So, you know, you're going to get the haters. This country's just split. So down the middle, 50, 50, I think that you're no doubt going to get haters for a black Superman. For sure. But who cares? Exactly. Because uh, it's going to be an exciting storyline and it's about damn time. Exactly, exactly. Well, some exciting news. Brendan Fraser has been cast in DC's upcoming Batgirl movie. He will play the villainous Firefly. Yeah. A psychopath with a passion (laughs) for everything. Uh, What is that? Pyrotex? Pyrotex. He's a fire guy. Um, uh, Opposite of Leslie Grace. uh, Specific plot details for Batgirl have been kept under wraps, of course, though it centers around Barbara Gordon, the daughter of Gotham's police commissioner, Jim Gordon. J.K. Simmons is returning to portray Jim Gordon after playing the character in Zack Snyder's Mm. The Justice League. Batgirl is set to premiere on HBO Max sometime in 2022. The project is notable because it marks one of the first major DC comic properties that will completely skip theaters and just strictly go to streaming, which is a very interesting choice. But, you know, I think that, that, I mean, that's where it's all going anyway, so you got to try shit. Yeah, and I mean, clearly for all the huff and puff and all the back and forth and all the the just, you know, ridiculousness of it all between HBO slash Zack Snyder, they clearly are going forward with the DCEU. Yeah. Because why bring Simmons back as Gordon if you're not continuing the DCEU in that universe? Yeah. So uh, I I guess they were like, "Ah, just let's put that aside and let's make money. Right. I think that's how that's Well, you know what's very interesting? I think if they would just pick one of the other theatrical or streaming, there wouldn't be that much, ah, like, but I feel like since they're doing theatrical and streaming, like, it it makes the other one lack. I mean, one of the opposite end of the spectrum is going to, like, 
get hurt by it. So, I mean, I feel like if they would just pick one avenue and just run with it, it would just be so much better in the long run. Well, hopefully after Warner Media and Discovery merge and spin off from AT&T, they'll know what the fuck they're doing. Exactly. Because right now, they don't. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is set to star in the limited series Longdengrad, currently in development at HBO. Based on the book The Terminal Spy by Alan Cowell, the series tells the true story of Alexander Levitnico, the KGB agent and later defector killed by poisoning with radioactive isotope plutonium-210 in 2006 in England. Mm. Cumberbatch will star as Levitnico and will also serve as executive producer on the project under his Sunny March banner. Cool. Awesome. Man. Yeah. I, I mean, mean he's, he's always good. Yeah, right? He's getting more into that production phase of life. Oh, yeah. Uh, Billy Porter is set to direct a feature film adaptation of Camp, which is a teen comedy about love, musical theater, and summer camp. No one knows wants to know what happens with the flute, though. Uh, um, the movie is set at Warner Brothers and scheduled to premiere on HBO Max. It is based on Lee Ro- uh, Rosen's young adult novel. It centers on a 16-year-old Randall... Uh, Randy uh, Kappenhoff uh, who spends a summer at Camp Outland an outdoor oasis for queer teens it's there that he meets his best friends stars in the musical and falls in love with Hudson a boy who doesn't know he exists <laughs> isn't that how it always is I mean for uh, real like... so, so Randy reinvents himself as a buff and masculine Dale <laughs> who foregoes his beloved show tunes nail polish and unicorn bed sheets to capture the heart of a hunk hunky camper but as he and hudson grow closer randy has to consider how much he is willing to change for his love mm. now is it just me is it just me or does this kind of sound like grease i mean it sounds like a um a mix to me between grease and camp rock yeah i could see remember it. you remember camp yeah. rock yeah, yeah. uh kind of like that my question is, is if just because you become a buff badass, why do you have to give up your unicorn sheets? Right. Right? What do they do? Like, there is nothing wrong with unicorn sheets if you're a buff badass, just man. Saying. You roll with that shit. Don't give that up. Just okay, saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I am super pumped about this next one because I'm a huge fan of her. And I, I'm a, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of the show because I was wrong. Yes. Jenna Dewan is set to make her return to the Arrowverse as Lucy Lane for season two of Superman and Lois. Now, as you guys remember Dewan who is set to recur made her debut as Lucy Lane Lois Lane's younger sister obviously of course on Supergirl's debut season back in 2015 smart and driven Lucy doesn't back down to anyone with a chip on her shoulder stemming from unresolved childhood trauma now I'm super excited about this because other than Melissa Benoist and a and and her sister obviously and I felt like there were so many underdeveloped characters on Supergirl that were like just like uh, written off because y- you know they they just weren't there and she was one of them. I always thought there was huge potential for Lucy Lane. I thought that Jenna Dewan played her brilliantly and they could have explored that storyline with her and Jimmy Olsen more than they did. So I am pumped that she's returning and and as the character again. And I can't wait to see what they do with her on Superman and Lois. I think her and Bitsy, who uh, Tulik, who plays uh, Lois Lane, they're going to have such a dynamic together. I think it's going to be brilliant. Yeah, man. Super exciting. Well, Lindsay Morgan is exiting the CW series Walker, Texas Ranger. 
not what? just Walker. After two seasons, <laughs> it is not yet known exactly how Morgan's character, Texas Ranger Mickey Ramirez, will be written out of the show, nor how many episodes of season two she will appear. And now in season two premiere, fans learn that Mickey is undercover in an attempt to infiltrate a crime syndicate. Her exit from Walker brings to an end of Morgan's long tenure at CW. Prior to joining Walker, she starred in the CW series The 100 as Raven Reyes in the seven seasons. So. Um, yeah. I did hear that this is for personal reasons. Yeah. And that she thanked the entire cast and crew and the CW for, you know, being a part of it and all that kind of stuff. So, Well, she is a badass on there. Yeah. So, and so, I mean, it makes sense. I, I'm, I'm just hoping that that's legit. Like, like personal reasons and that she is thankful and she is grateful and loves everybody like she said in her outgoing statement because we all remember Ruby Rose said the same thing. Yeah. And now we see that bullshit. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping we don't get another one of those. Exactly. Uh, Hacks co-creators Paul W. Downs and Lucia and Yellow are gearing up for their next project, Hot Robot. Mm. <laughs> Half-hour genre comedy is being developed through their Warner Brothers TV group-based Paula Productions. The story follows a jaded young woman whose life is turned upside down when she's recruited to work on a super-secret AI project by Big Brother Corporation. Mm. And Yellow is also set to direct. Okay, that sounds interesting. Right. Wait, like, artificial intelligence and robots are making a huge comeback. Huge comeback. Like, they really That's are. That's basically the sci-fi universe right now, besides Star Wars and Dune. Like, artificial intelligence, man. I mean, because I feel like it's because we're so close to that in real life. I mean, fucking Siri and Alexa and Google can do all this shit, they're going to end up taking over the world. It's going to be like iRobot and shit. So where's Real Steel 2? Right? Come on, Jackman. I'm just saying. That's, that's one of my all-time favorites. Let's see that. Exactly. Exactly. Heading over to Viacom CBS, the next film in the A Quiet Place universe will be looking for someone to take over the directing reins. According oh. to sources, Paramount Pictures and Jeff Nichols are eminent amicably uh, parting ways on the franchise's next movie. Sources add that the director is pivoting to focus on a sci-fi project he is developing at Paramount, which the studio is very high on. Top agencies are already uh, submitting options for Nichols' replacement, and the studio will act fast as the film is still high priority as After the Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, just became one of the higher box office hits this year. Uh, not more. Uh, not more is known about the project other than not being a threequel, but rather a spinoff uh, mm. based on an idea of John Krasinski's, who directed and starred in the first two films. The hope is that the film would help set up a potential Quiet Place universe that the studios could build on for years to come. It's a very interesting premise but it's kind of like alien walking dead i'm just saying in a movie form but a quiet place has been very successful but the i think the real test is going to be the third one because that's going to be the leaping off point for a universe so we shall see but like i said i've loved the first two so i have faith a leaping off point without krasinski or emily blunt that's sure. that's going to be that's even the, the bigger task. Yeah. It's like okay, we're going to explore outside of their world. Yeah. So will can can somebody else carry the film? That's going to be yeah. Right. I'm really curious. Uh Stephen Colbert's Spartina Productions banner has set a three year first look deal to develop television and streaming content for CBS Studios. Um, 
The pact comes as the portfolio of TV programs produced in recent months under Colbert's umbrella has grown to half a dozen, including, of course, The Late Show uh, with Stephen Colbert. Uh, Colbert's team also produces the animated Stephen Colbert Presents, Mm -hmm. tuning out the news for Paramount+, Plus, as well as Fairview and Washingtonia on Comedy Central. So, I mean, he's rocking and rolling. It makes sense that they're trying to keep him in the fold. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff evolving around him, so kudos to him and his team around him so right they're rocking and rolling hamilton tony nominee christopher jackson has signed a first look deal with cbs studios to produce across all platforms including broadcast streaming and premium cable networks uh in addition to co-starring on the C- cbs hit show pool uh jackson <laughs> will also uh, be seen playing the husband of nicole ari Parker's character in the Sex and the City reboot. Oh, okay. And just like that, premiering this winter, it has been two years since a new season of uh, South Park aired, but fans uh, can rest easy as Comedy Central's staple... Did you just jump into my story? You just uh, jumped into my story. It's all wrapped together. Look at it. Look at it. But man, oh man, everybody's excited for South Park, though, because films will drop uh, separately on Paramount+. Plus. South Park post-COVID will drop exclusively on Paramount Plus November 25th and a second film will arrive in December. I apologize. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> it looked it's like good. it was all together. Sometimes when he just scrolls, it happens. It happens. That's why, I mean, you know, it, blame it on the ghouls. Yeah, it is exactly. the Halloween special. Is. They're spooking. They're getting up in there. Uh, I am excited, though. It has been a long time. I really was just recently thinking, where the fuck is South Park? Right. right? Why? So much good stuff happening in the world today that the boys can take on. Where are they? But now, thank God, they're coming back. Right. Um, let's see. Jumping over to NBC Universal. Speaking of trying to develop universes, the monster verse that Universal is trying to do, Invisible Man and blah, blah, blah. Well, now... Ryan Gosling and director Derek Clanference will reunite on Wolfman, the latest monster movie from Universal Pictures. Gosling and Clanference previously teamed on the Oscar Oscar nominated drama Blue Valentine and acclaimed thriller The Place Beyond the Pines, which was brilliant and where he met uh, his wife uh, or baby mama. Uh, Claire France is taking over directing duties from Leigh Wanhall from The Invisible Man, go figure, um, who has had to drop out of the project due to scheduling conflict. Now, Claire France will also write the script. It's not clear what the new version of Wolfman will look like, but the movie is expected to be a modern take on the story about a man who is bitten and transforms into a wolf. So... (laughs) I mean, kudos for him because this is two weeks in a row now that we've had stories about Ryan Gosling. Yeah, man, he's killing. And I mean, completely opposite of the spectrum. Barbie and fucking werewolf. Like, what? (laughs) Wild. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's range right there. You could play Ken and a werewolf. Like, That's great. That's great. And it's going to take a little longer for Elphaba Elphaba? Uh, and Glinda to be seen by the wizard. A little bit longer for audience to see Wicked, a Mm. universal adaptation of one of the biggest musicals of all time was set to begin shooting in March of next year in Atlanta, uh, but production uh, start has now been pushed to June, and it will relocate to the UK. 
The delay will allow the filmmakers to get production efficiencies in line as Wicked will be the first production to shoot on stages at Universal's recent built Sky Studios in uh, the UK. Uh, The project does not have an official green light uh, and is technically still in development, although the film's producers, Mark Platt and Dave Stone, as well as director John N. Chu, who didn't want to do Willow, uh, was said... <laughs> left for this? Yeah. That's right. ...have been told to proceed full steam ahead. The delay uh, is the latest wrinkle in the saga to bring Wicked onto the screen. Universal has been developing a live-action feature since t- uh, 2004. That's crazy. A year after it was made its Broadway's debut and went to generate more than $100 billion in ticket sales. The film is priority for Universal, though, which was weathered recent uh, musical duds at the box office with uh, Cats and Dear Evan Hansen. Mm. So it's it's a sketchy time, man. It's it a is. a sketchy time. But for all those out there, you know, that aren't familiar with the industry or the film industry and how it works and all that, look, guys, this is the epitome of what's called development hell. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, movies that linger in production or post-production or whatever. Guys, it takes a really long time to make a movie and get it to the point where it's seen by people. And sometimes people just don't understand that. And this is a perfect example. What, 2004? That's 17 years yeah. this thing has been in development and trying to get made. So, I mean, and it's a huge freaking Broadway show. You exactly. would think it would be a simple, let's get it done. But there you go. Exactly, man. Um, Okay, I'm super even more pumped about this one. We just had, like, you know, Suits meets Wall Street, right? Well, Suits itself. Donna's back. What? Sarah Rafferty and Lily Harris have joined the cast of NBC Chicago Med. Rafferty will continue to portray... Not Donna, unfortunately, but Dr. Pamela Blake, a quick-paced, renowned transplant surgeon who wants things her way. Now, of course, the character made her debut on the show in the October 20th episode titled Change is a Tough Pill to Swallow. Harris, who, if you didn't know, is the daughter of actors Ed Harris and Amy Madigan, is making her professional acting debut on the November 3rd episode in the role of Astrid Meadows, Mm. a young patient with hallucinations. I'm just thrilled to finally see Sarah Rafferty back on television. Right. Um, All just has always been one of my all-time favorites and just you know donna everybody wants a donna yes right so i'm so glad to see her back agreed um, man she's an incredible talent oh yeah for sure well peacock has given a straight to series order to a new crime drama that hails from david e kelly Mm. the one hour series is titled the missing um, based on Dora A. Mashani's novel, The Missing File. It tells the story of an NYPD detective, Abraham Abraham, uh, whose belief in mankind is his superpower when it comes to uncovering the truth. Guided by a deep sense of spirituality, Spiriality, I can't. Spirituality? There it is. There it is. And religious principles, Abraham uh, is left to question his own humanity when a seemingly routine investigation turns upside down. Uh, Peacock has ordered eight episodes of this one, so, you know, David E. Kelly is actually getting some shit done. I mean, seriously, like one of the best of all time, so Big Sky is a huge hit for him, so, you know. I feel bad because sometimes in the news, like, it's... David E. Kelly's not getting this not moving forward. This not moving forward. Right. So I'm happy, like, a good amount is yeah. moving forward. <laughs> uh, agreed. Now, in the next story, this is not a follow-up to One Night in Paris. 
if anybody's seen that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Peacock announced that the new docuseries, Paris in Love, yes, it is that Paris, though, uh, will begin streaming November 11th with new episodes dropping every uh, Thursday following. The 13-part wedding series is going to foul Paris Hilton as she discovers the road to the altar has a few unexpected turns along the way as she prepares to marry successful venture capitalist Cartier Room. Now, in the midst of planning for the wedding, fans will watch as Hilton navigates adulthood, a demanding work schedule, and plans for her future. Hilton's mother, Kathy Hilton, and sister Rothschild Hilton will support her through it all, from her engagement part to the bridal dress shopping to the bachelor and bachelorette party in Las Vegas. Mm. Very freaking interesting. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah. I, I mean, she has kind of just like turned the page and really moved on and has been doing a lot of like awesome stuff. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if this is necessary, but that might backtrack a little bit. But hey, you know, yeah, no, people you know. will watch. Exactly, exactly. Peacock is putting a lot of stuff out there, though. They're trying to get a hit, man. They really are. <laughs> well, they needed They like they took a half yeah, a billion did. dollar loss on it Peacock. It was bad. So, uh, Craig Robinson's new Peacock comedy series, Killing It, has revealed its cast and what characters they will portray. Robinson himself leads the cast as Craig, a man who will do anything to make his American dream come true, even compete in a state-sponsored uh Python hunt? Fuck that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nor- Nagorius uh, will play his wife, and Nagorius, Stephanie Nagorius, whoever, the, uh, will play his wife, uh, Camille, with whom he is uneasily co parents his teenage, pre teenage daughter. Uh, Vanessa, who's played by Jet Miller, mm. um, battle, uh, battle plays Craig's younger brother. Um, whose version of the American dream is a lot less legal than the, of his sibling, <laughs> uh, Odehiri Odehori, uh, by Claudia Odehori, Dehorti, uh, um, plays Jillian, a down-on-her-luck Uber driver who introduces Craig to a bizarre world of snake hunting, and so much more, guys. I mean, a lot of shit is happening. Production of the 10-episode series is already underway in New Orleans, so that's very exciting. I mean, that totally makes sense. A story about a down-and-luck Uber driver that introduces the guy who's fighting for the American dream to snake hunting? Yes. That screams New Orleans. Exactly. I'm just going to say. Okay. Sony, hey, this is really awesome. We talked about, you know, like directing programs and producing programs and all that. Well, Sony's jumping in on the bandwagon, and they are, Sony Pictures Television, is helping to groom a new generation of showrunners, which I think is fantastic. The Indie Studio has launched the inaugural showrunner training program. An eight-week initiative in which 19 participants will receive practical knowledge and experience to potentially run their own shows in the future. During the program, Sony-based showrunners and executives will train writers and producers to effectively manage and run a TV series. Topics covered in the program include the development process, creating and adhering to a budget, working with the studio network platform casting, marketing PR, business affairs and legal, and post-production. The program launched late last week and runs through... December. That's freaking fantastic. That's awesome. I mean, because with all the streamers and all of them clamoring for content right now and everybody wanting to get a series out there, learning how to be a showrunner 
<laughs> it was a good idea. Agreed, man. Agreed. Because, yeah, I mean, the next generation, that's what's important. All about helping the next generation. Heck yeah. Uh, Brett Gleeman has joined. Uh, the film is based on the best-selling children's book by uh, Bernard Wobber. Uh, the story centers on the title Reptile, who lives in a house on East 88th Street in New York City. Lyle enjoys helping the Prim family with everyday chores and playing with the neighborhood kids. Uh, he's the happiest crocodile any home has ever had, until one neighbor insists that Lyle belongs in a zoo. Well, oh. Mr. Grump and his cat Loretta don't like crocodiles, and everything Lyle does to win them over seems to go wrong. And we'll take all of Lyle's charms and courage to reveal the hero and friend behind the big crocodile smile. The film is set to release November 18th of 2022. Poor Lyle. Poor Lyle, man. I mean, come on. He just wants to be loved. That's right. He's like helping with chores and stuff, man. That's Bastards. not right. That's right. Mr. Girl. <laughs> Jump into MGM. Holy shit. As if the first trailer wasn't just like epic enough, MGM offered another peek at House of Gucci, releasing a new trailer for its upcoming star-studded drama, set to the alluring beat, which made it even better of sweet dreams are made of this by of course the Eurythmics. Yes. The new trailer features the first meeting between socialite Patricia Rigiani, which of course is Lady Gaga, accompanied by her husband Maurizio Gucci, of course Adam Driver, and the lavishly wealthy Italian family. Now House of Gucci, as we told you, will tell the true story of the assassination of Maurizio and the collapse of the Gucci family's fashion dynasty. Reggiani was tried and convicted of orchestrating her husband's ex, uh, her ex-husband's murder in 1998. The trailer offers the further look at the opulence and menace of the Gucci family's world of high fashion, showcasing wild disco sequences, a blindingly white ski trip, and the deadly conclusion of the story. Mm. So they kind of gave you everything in this trailer. Right. But I'm Shit. telling you, man, this could be another Oscar uh, nomination for Lady Gaga. I think so, too. I'm very curious. I do think it's going to make a huge run at the award season but i don't i'm very interested to see it, how it does at the box office so it's like a balancing act will the mass audience enjoy this one i definitely feel like the critics and oh, yeah. the um people who vote on the awards are gonna love it because like i said i mean like you said the fucking trailers look absolutely amazing it's got that real gritty film feel so it i'm does. excited to learn about this story because i have absolutely nothing know nothing about it so there we go when what you like oh it was 1998 so you remember this happening oh yeah i mean gucci dude i mean everybody's still familiar with the gucci brand right yeah. but yeah this family the was family. massively <laughs> domineering and um let's just say not so you know on the level with how they built their fashion yeah. um empire and made a lot of enemies yeah and uh you know so this whole thing and the way it went down it was still shocking that it, it you know, it's his ex-wife, but um, not shocking in the sense of that they had enemies that were not proud of this family or right. what they had done. So um, it is a really, really interesting story. Um, I agree with you, though. I think I think it's going to do huge in the award seasons. But unfortunately, like most years in the Oscars, box office hits don't see awards and vice versa. So I think you're right. I think 
will it do well at the box office? I don't know. I know. It's very interesting. Very interesting. But I'm excited. I'm excited. To yeah. See uh, Zoe Lister-Jones, star of CBS's Life in Pieces, is boarding MGM's A Good Person, directed mm. by Zach Braff. Uh, the film follows Allison Florence Pugh, uh, whose life falls apart following her involvement in a fatal accident. Uh, in following years, it is unlikely a relationship she forms will... Uh, with her would-be father-in-law, who played by Morgan Freeman, oh shit, uh, that helps her inevitably live a life worth living. Lister Jones will play Simone in the movie, a hardened veteran of AA, and but an earthy good soul. Uh, she's seen everything and overcome addiction uh, and depression herself. She's a tough gal, street smart, tattooed, loving. But doesn't take any shit from anyone. Uh, she has partner. She has a partner and a two-year-old baby. So that's gonna be very interesting. Yeah. I'm interested to just see the uh, the show, the movie, the show. Yeah, whatever it is. And I mean Zach Braff. I love Zach. Braff. I mean, yeah, and he's and he's got his woman in it, Florence Pugh, who's just like having huge right now. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, so and Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Morgan. Morgan. Freeman. So how can that be bad? That right. sounds just like an epic project. Exactly. Now, the busiest woman currently in Hollywood and just the it girl everywhere. We're for jumping sure. to Lionsgate. Ana de Armas is in talks for the lead role in the upcoming John Wick spinoff film, Ballerina. The film, which has been in the works for several years, follows a young female assassin as she seeks revenge against those who killed her family. The action thriller will be helmed by Underworld director Len Weissman uh, from a screenplay by Shay Hatton, who has also penned John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, and is attached to write the next one, Chapter 4, and Chapter 5 in the franchise as well. So, sticking with who they know. Right. Uh, I'm excited about this, though. I'm just a huge fan of her. I think she's just killing it in everything she's been doing. I'm actually excited to see her in the role of Marilyn in that film coming out, and so good for her, man. Yeah, I mean, she's rocking and rolling, rocking and rolling. Heading over to Netflix, the streaming giant has released an official trailer of the upcoming Cowboy Bebop. A live-action adaptation offering a glimpse into uh, Spike Siegel's mysterious past beyond the late 90s anime series of the same name. Cowboy Bebop stars John Cho as Spike, a bounty hunter who leads a team throughout outer space to hunt down criminals. Throughout it all, Spike and his fellow hunters, uh, Jet Black... um, and Faye Valentine try to escape the dark past of their own. Alex Hazel stars as Spike's ex-partner and current nemesis, uh, Vicious. Uh, while Alina uh, Satine plays Julia, a Femi Fatal uh, who forms a love triangle between Spike and Vicious. Damn, these women, man, these women. <laughs> Among other recurring cast stars, uh, guest stars, uh, Trauma Tweeney plays mm-hmm. Anna, the recurring owner of the club on Mars who acts as a surrogate mother to Spike and Cowboy Bebop. Uh, premieres on Netflix November 19th. Watch the trailer now, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, that's like right around the corner. Yeah, right? Cool, cool. 
Uh, Netflix also released a new trailer for season two of The Witcher, the high fantasy series starring Henry Cavill as the monster hunter Geralt. Uh, the video shows a new look at some of the beasts and other magical foes that Geralt has the young ward Princess Krilla and his fellow witchers must face. Season two of The Witcher debuts on December 17th, again right around the corner, picking up where season one, which launched nearly two years ago, I can't even believe that, right. left off. Convinced that Yennefer of Vendorberg died during the Battle of Sodden, Geralt takes Cherie and Career Moran, his childhood home, and training ground for witchers in order to hone Ciri's mysterious powers. Mm. So, yeah, going back home, training a new protege, that's going to sound badass. That's, it really yeah. is, man. It really is. This is another one I want to start before the end of the year. Right? Uh, Netflix debut a first look at Inventing Anna. Anna, uh, Shonda Rhimes' new limited series set to premiere in 2022, inspired by Jessica Piesler's New York Magazine article, How Anna Delvey Tricked New York's Party People. <laughs> uh, the series follows uh, Vivian Kent, a journalist investigating the case of Anna Delvey, who's played by Julia Gardner, uh, the German heiress and Instagram celebrity who broke into New York's social scene to make friends and then steal their money. As Vivian questions whether Anna is anything more than a con woman, the two begin developed a love-hate bond. Very freaking interesting, man. Very freaking interesting. I love Julia Garner right now because of Ozark. So oh, yeah. I love that Netflix is continuing that relationship with her. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was a huge fan of her on The Americans. And yeah. So, whoa, by the way, there's rumors of that maybe having a revival. Oh, boy. That would be interesting. Uh, Last Kingdom fans, I know you guys are bummed, right? It's going off, final season and everything. Well, don't be! Last Kingdom fanatics gearing themselves up for next year's fifth and final season have something extra to smile about. Why? Because Alexander Draymond, who stars as protagonist Uhtred and executive produces the historical drama, confirmed recently that the Netflix feature film is in the works. Filming on Seven Kings Must Die will begin early next year in Budapest, shortly before the final 10-part season drops on Netflix. Draymond apparently will reprise his lead role and will be joined by many of the other series' cast members, along with some new faces. Mm. So that's exciting. You know, you're going to wrap up, clear out the series, and uh, and then get a film. Right? So that's pretty epic. It really is, man. It really is. Well, something else that is pretty epic, the Jonas Brothers <laughs> are going to be the subject of Netflix's first ever family roast, premiering oh. November 23rd. The Jonas Brothers family roast comedy special celebrates the universal truth that no one can get under their skin quite like your own family. Uh You'll see from a multi-platinum global superstars, the Jonas Brothers, like you've never seen them before, through sketches, songs, games, and special guests, all to give them a roasting they'll never freaking forget. Mm. Keenan Thompson, Will Host, and Pete Davidson, Noel Horan, uh, comedian Gail Gabriel Iglesias, John Legend, Lily Singh, uh, actor Jack Whitehall is set to make guest appearances. Wow, just that lineup right there is yeah, super freaking epic. That's going to be fun. I think so, too. I, I, you know, I, and I think 
what makes them so great, and I think what makes a lot of people great when you reach that level of celebrity is when you can poke fun at yourself. Exactly. Right? Because, I mean, I, I feel like when you do reach that level, there's a lot of stuff to make fun of. For and sure. when you can do it at yourself, then that what, that's what makes you human and brings you back down a little bit. So kudos to them. I'm really excited for that one. Agreed. Um, hey, Joe Tippett. You guys know him as Bradley's love-to-hate brother on the morning show. Uh, he's apparently boarded Mr. Harrigan's phone. The film adaptation of the short story by Stephen King, which, of course, we told you about a few weeks ago. Tippett joins a cast that also includes Jaden Martell and Donard Sutherland. Now, if you don't remember what we told you, Mr. Herring's phone centers on Craig, a young boy living in a small town who befriends older reclusive billionaire Mr. Harrigan. The two form a bond over books and an iPhone, but when the man passes away, the boy discovers that not everything dead is gone and finds himself able to communicate with his friend from the grave through the iPhone that was buried with him. Tippett will play the father of Martell's Craig, who is left to raise the only son alone after the death of his wife. So there you go. Very freaking interesting. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I like him too. I, I, I mean, I, I poked fun that you love to hate him because, I mean, he is kind of a douchebag on the morning show. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, he's a great actor, and I think this is going to be good for him. Agreed, man. Agreed. Well, heading over to Amazon. Amazon Prime Video released a trailer for an upcoming fantasy series, The Wheel of Time, which premieres with three episodes on November 19th. New episodes will debut weekly on Fridays until uh, the season one finale, December. December 24th, Christmas Eve, based on Robert Jordan's novel series of the same name. The Wheel of Time stars uh, Rosamond Pike as oh. uh, Maureen, a member of the magical all-female all organization who leads five young people on a journey around the world while trying to learn which one of them will fulfill the prophecy of the Dragon Reborn. Oh, mm. that sounds straight up my alley. I'm excited. <laughs> I know. I, I, you'll totally be tuning in for that. For sure. I mean, Rosamund Pike. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I just can't. I, what is the name of that movie with Ben Affleck where she like faked her death or whatever? Like, I just can't get past her in that. Yeah. She's just, she creeps me out, man. She does. She's awesome, though. <laughs> hey, I'm really excited about this one, too, because why not? When you think Stefan Curry... You think Christmas, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's delivered so many presents to so many fans. Amazon and Stefan Curry are getting into the holiday spirit. The tech giant and the NBA superstars Unanimous Media are partnering for the feature 12 Days of Christmas. Now, this is, sounds really interesting to me, guys. The story follows Nick, a career-driven, self-absorbed man who never wants to have children and takes place 12 days before Christmas when he surprisingly wakes up with a kid under his roof. Nick thinks it's all a bad dream until the next morning when he finds himself the parent of two kids, after which each day his brood grows larger as he moves closer to Christmas Day, and no matter what he tries, he can't make it stop. But Nick finds himself discovering the joys of being a parent and embracing the universal gift of family. Aww. So I'm guessing he's going to end up with 12 kids. Right. That's exactly. my, I mean, it seems like he's getting a new kid every day all the way up to Christmas. But that's an interesting storyline. A guy that never wants kids gets kids and realizes how awesome kids are. Right. And kudos to Stefan because he's like the only NBA player right now who's not making content with Disney. So, I mean, he's being different. <laughs> that's like, true. I mean, he. Amazon's got the funds to do it. That's so, right. You know, you know. Heading over to Apple, Hank Azera, uh, Hane Hanefa uh, Wood, and Allison Pill 
Nick Porn. Why are these people? Panati. Panati and Deshane Williams will star alongside Billy Crudup in Apple's original series, Hello Tomorrow. <laughs> they round out the ensemble cast of the 10 episode half hour dramedy, with Crudup also executive producing. Hello Tomorrow is set in a retro future world and it centers around a group of traveling salesmen uh, hanking lunar timeshares. Uh, oh. Crudup stars as Jack, a salesman of a great talent and ambition whose unshakable faith in a brighter tomorrow inspires his co-worker uh, revitalizing his desperate customers uh, but threatens to leave him dangerously lost in every dream that sustains him oh. uh, emmy winner zero plays eddie a slick salesman with a gambling problem wood portrays shirley stedman uh, jack's right hand man and glue that keeps the org- the operation together Pill uh, play Myrtle Mayburn, a, a gr- aggravated customer out for justice, and uh, Potany um, plays Joey Shorter, Jack's protege, and the newest addition to sale- the sales team. William plays Herb Porter, a internal optimist, and Jack's hardest working salesman. So okay, well that sounds lot. familiar. Yeah, I mean uh, you know, and, and and at least it's original. Right, like like the the story's familiar about you know overcoming and 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 inspiring and right. and capturing your dreams, but it's original. I mean, he's, yeah. he's the, a retro future and he's hawking like rocket shit. Like, exactly. Okay. All right. Very freaking interesting, man. Apple's doing some good stuff and keeping it all in the family. Or at least yes. they're trying. It's great. It's great. All right. Now it is time for the top five, and of course. <laughs> Of course, why wouldn't it be? This week it is Top 5 Horror Franchises. Yes, we love horror. We love franchises. So why not on Halloween do horror franchises? Right, exactly, exactly. Well, getting started with my number 5 is probably the most successful, long-running, crazy-ass shit social experiment, Saw. The Saw franchise is fucking crazy i mean i've only seen probably half of them because there's so many what there's like eight yeah, something like that lot, but i and i still want to see um jigsaw the new the new one with samuel jackson and chris rock yeah. it's actually on stars so i might watch it tonight there you go um but yes i i just always thought this one was very very different than your normal horror movie. So that's why I had to put it on the list. I just had to. Uh, it, it makes total sense. I mean, why not? And my number five is... Uh, it's Scream. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited for the new one. I, I cannot wait to see them all come back uh, and see where this storyline is going. But, I mean, come on. I mean, not only was it a really creative and, and, and fun story and a lot of great characters... But it sold the shit out of some masks for Halloween. Right. I mean, that, that you saw them everywhere when that first movie came out. Um, but I, yeah, all kidding aside, though, I thought all of them kind of progressed well in the series. Um, and I really do think that the evolution of the characters is what makes it one of my favorite franchises. It wasn't just the lame shit over and over and over again. Right. Um, they, they actually did evolve. And kind of like this interweaving actual story in the franchise, which made it really good for me. So my number five, Scream. Yes, yes. Going over to my number four is 
Chucky slash Child's Play. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. I'm I have Chucky. to say, probably my favorite is the uh, 1998 Bride of Chucky. Oh. When he, um, I mean, casts the spell to get Jennifer Tilly, you know, to actually turn into the doll as well. And I mean, since then, I feel like Jennifer Tilly has been, like, in love with this franchise and just <laughs> attached ever so often. Like, so that's why I love this one. And I actually like the one where they did, um, like, the Seed of Chucky. That's what it is, where they have a son. I thought that shit was awesome too so i haven't seen the new one i haven't seen the new one yet really i mean you know the one that came out like two years ago pre-pandemic when all these different reboots of the horror ones are coming out so you know you know maybe maybe tonight as well (laughs) i mean why not between tonight and tomorrow it's gonna be a hell of a lot of horror movies it's fine and the great pumpkin charlie brown (laughs) of course can't not watch that apple's got it oh let's see my number four one two freddy's coming for you terrifying yeah three four i i just i love the fucking song i can't get it out of my head every halloween i'm of course talking about a nightmare on elm street everybody's beloved bird victim <laughs> took out revenge um and launched the career of a certain actor you might know yeah johnny depp that guy that guy yeah little peewee like you know infant johnny depp in that movie um Come on, guys. This is one of the best crafted horror stories ever about this, like, psycho killer that the families got together and torched him in a fucking furnace to take out revenge. And now he's back. (laughs) I mean, it is a dark, deep, twisted storyline. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, But hell, man. I mean, Robert Englund, well done, dude. It's got to be one of the most iconic figures ever in movie history. Right. Horror or not. Um, Just, it's huge. And uh, like I said, I can't, yeah, guaranteed every Halloween you will see that sweater and those claws somewhere. And somebody's Freddy, you can guarantee. So, um, yeah, my number four, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Very nice, man. Very nice. And, of course, one that we have talked about today that might turn off into, like, a whole freaking universe. And that is A Quiet Place. Ooh. I just thought it was so different, man. Especially the first one. The first one, like only had what what we said like a few lines of dialogue like maybe two pages of dialogue throughout the whole entire thing and i it was one of those that i felt like i really got to enjoy with the audience uh pre-pandemic because i sat next to just these random people and when the monster finally jumped out the lady next to me like grabbed my shoulder and it was just (laughs) one of those things where you just enjoyed it with the people you were around so that's why number three for me is a quiet place and i mean come on emily blunt just that scene where she is giving birth to a baby and can't make a sound are you freaking kidding me right that was so intense and so like awesome some of the most brilliant acting without saying a word which is the hardest thing to do honestly um she just killed it yeah good choice man good choice uh my number three if I can bring it <laughs> right, my damn eyes, I can't see. My number three is fitting because this is our Halloween show, and my number three franchise is Halloween. Uh-huh. Um, look, guys, did it go off track a little bit here or there? All these horror franchises do at some point, right? But the original Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis and 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 just and now thank God Rob Zombie and the guys have brought her all back and have like are finishing the story the proper way. Um, most recently with Halloween Kills. Um, 
the original movie and and the, the you know the two or so after that before they started going off the rails some of the best scary shit i've ever seen right like no doubt that mask that knife i mean michael myers it, it it's just it's one of those that actually did make me jump several times which is hard to do you know and lately it seems like with horror franchises you can't like exactly. they're more campy than scary but this one was scary and then all the mythology and the stories behind it like the mask is actually william shatner right william shatner <laughs> didn't even know it was him like, like you know the whole there's just so many creepy stories about the movie and how it got made and everything it makes it even more creepy to watch it so um and again if you haven't seen the new one go watch it because they're bringing it full circle and they're closing this thing out the right way i in my opinion. So super pumped about that. My number three, the Halloween franchise. Definitely, definitely. And number two for me is a little mixed bag of both between the original TV movie, the two-parter, and or the two films that were just recently released. And I'm talking about the It franchise. I mean, horror can't really get any better than Stephen King. I'm just saying. <laughs> this guy has put out some amazing stuff. That guy? That huh? guy. That guy right there. I mean, he's just freaking awesome, man. And freaking, we dropped the ball. I will say it. None of us put the shining on our list well you know why and we could have because they did come out with with the second one in the series now because i thought about that and i was like no the shining only had one i totally forgot and i went and saw it and like you know just recently like i should have put it on there i should have but yeah yeah. i love tim curry's interpretation but then i really liked peter skarsgård's interpretation as well i mean he added a whole different level of freaky ass clown to it and I mean, all of the actors in both the TV movie and the theatrical movies that were just recently released did a phenomenal job. But as always, I mean, the ending is super weird. And <laughs> the ending for that story is just so fucking weird and hard to figure out. So I understand both interpretations, but it's still a fun, scary, creepy movie that I love to put on around Halloween time. So that's why number two for me is It. Uh, yeah, I mean, brilliant. I agree with everything you just said. I also was a, f- a huge fan of the original, and I didn't think you could get better than that, but then they did. Right. Like, it was fantastic, and I- I'm sure we're going to see another one. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to happen. Uh, my number two is Insidious, Ooh. the Insidious franchise. Oh, my gosh. James Wan was just absolutely slayed with this series. I thought, of course, you guys know Patrick Wilton and Rose Byrne, huge fans of both of them. Uh, of course, Patrick obviously showing up in uh, Aquaman because <laughs> Wan keeps it in the family. you know. Right. But I love Rose Byrne. I've always been a fan of hers. I think she's just fantastic. But I'm not going to lie to you, and I want to make sure I get her name right because I think she just steals every one of these films. Uh, Lynn Shea, as, of course, Elise. The, the woman that comes in, the creepy-ass woman that tries to get rid of the spirits in the house. And, and, and she is just absolutely slaying in all of these insidious movies. I think she's... That, for me, it's why they're some of my favorite uh, franchise horror movies. Because she's scary as fuck. Yeah, right. Like, like, is she good or is she bad? Or is she both? Or, like, just what the fuck? But she terrifies me. I'm not even going to lie. And, uh, so, and that's... That's good horror. When you're terrified, that's good horror. Right. So insidious, man. I just think it's – I'm excited for more, 
and I think there will be, and I just, uh, I really love this series. So. Agreed, man, agreed. And I mean, it's funny that you say Insidious, because right there in the same universe, really, uh, is The Conjuring, which is has some of the same characters, but I really, the first one, I mean, it absolutely blew me away, and then the second one and the third one also did some amazing freaking Ooh. things, so... I just, I'm super happy for James Wan and Shannon Cook, who always gets brought back. He was a guest on our show, so go back yeah. and listen to his interview. Uh, but, I mean, The Conjuring, man, it's a great horror film that isn't coming out of the Blum house right now. So, good for them. That's right. I mean, yeah. It's just, because, again, it's original. And, and The Nun was in on that mix, too. Like, like just, it's all part of it. And uh, just brilliant franchise. I, and, Again, creepy. It is creepy. Uh, so, which makes it work. Uh, my number one. One word, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Groovy. <laughs> of course, man. I, I mean, numerous, numerous nights of pillow talk, I'm sure. I'm, of course, talking about Evil Dead. The brilliant, brilliant franchise from Mr. Sam Raimi and starring the one and only Bruce Campbell how can you not fucking love this franchise? Right. Evil Dead has got to be some of the most original, outstanding, scary horror shit I've ever seen in my life, and yet funny, while terrifying. Uh, I mean, and let, let's be honest about it. Put Sam Raimi on the map, put Bruce Campbell on the map, uh, and they haven't looked back since. This franchise is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I'm looking forward to what's coming next. There's rumors of another film. There's rumors of a series. There was a little series for a little while with him and the daughter. Um, but, uh, you know, just I, I can't wait. And I know this might not be popular opinion, but I liked the the attempted reboot with Jane Levy. Yeah, I was a fan of that movie. I thought they did a really good job with that, and, and I would have liked to have seen that continue. I, I just I know that might not be a popular opinion. Maybe you bring Campbell into it somehow. I don't know, but I thought Levy just slayed it, and I, I was really excited about that. So my number one, Evil Dead. Very nice, man. Very nice. I think we did very well with these top five horror franchises, yeah. and of course we want to know. What is your favorite horror franchise? We want to know. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's fun stuff. It's fun freaking stuff, man. But now, heading over to the box office recap. Oh man, oh man. Dune came in lukewarm with $40.1 million for number one. Should have been so much more. Uh, number two was Halloween Kills, still standing strong with $14.5 million. Number three was No Time to Die with $11.9 million. Number four was Venom, Let There Be Carnage with $9.1 million. And number five was Ron's Gone Wrong yeah. with $7.3 million. Okay. Uh, and the interesting thing is, I mean, I'm wondering how, like... Uh, because new movies that are coming out this week are The Last Night in Soho, Antlers, Planet Dune, uh, The My Hero uh, Academia, World Hero Missions, uh, The Mouthful of Air, and The French Dispatch. I'm wondering where Last Night in Soho and French Dispatch will land on these charts. I don't know. Or Antlers. Or and, Antlers. You know, I remember seeing the trailer for Antlers like way back. And if I'm not mistaken, it's just, it's that one about this creepy kid who's like going so through some weird shit with his father at home or whatever and then the teacher takes like a, a notice to him and because of his drawings and shit 
Um, it just always kind of creeped me out, and so now it's finally making its debut, and right. I'm wondering how that's going to do. Exactly. Antlers, it's kind of just, I am excited. I, I'm not going to lie, I want to see Last Night in Soho. I do too. Yeah. I uh, really do. And I mean, I've never seen a Wes Anderson film, so I think a friend, The French Dispatch would be a really good one. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, movies you can still go see are The Addams Family 2, The Last Duel, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and some other ones at your local theaters. Uh, but heading over to the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment, by no surprise, the top trending movie is Dune, with it coming out last week and then announcing <laughs> the sequel. Uh, top trending TV show is You. Everyone is... Oh, uh, talking about that right oh, yeah. now and i mean neither of us have watched that at all either no so, i mean you know you know i've heard great things though hear great things and the top training star is helena hutchins unfortunately for all the wrong reasons yeah. um you know it's tragic and every day more and more stuff comes out about that and when we're not having fun in a ghoulish good time on our halloween show uh you can bet we will keep updating uh as that story continues to evolve and um you know, and we and we see what's going to happen there. It's just I always hate when people make the list of the top trenders for horrible reasons. Agreed. And tragically losing your life in an unnecessary shooting is a horrible way to make the top trending list. Agreed, man. Agreed. Well, we got to thank you guys one more time for getting crazy with us on episode one seventy nine this week. It was a great Halloween episode. How yes. all the good shit, all the good shit. You guys know you can follow the company and podcast on social media. At ItCaf Podcast and at Crazy Ant Media. And you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media, myself at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy 1970. Yes, sir. And you guys know you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, thank you for getting crazy with us this Halloween. We really appreciate it. If you're listening to it, be sure to go back and watch it on YouTube because we had a whole lot of fun and man, oh man, <laughs> was it just hilarious. I mean, and we almost made it through the whole show with masks. Almost. 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 I mean, just a little bit without it. So exactly. that's entertaining as hell right there. Exactly. I mean. But be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications that we have going on here at Crazy Ant Media. Watch our teaser trailer right now on our social media platforms of... The film Deadlines. Well, I mean, it's like a 30-minute or 30-second 30 30-minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. But yes, guys, be sure to check that out. And visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Everything is there, man. And follow us, like I said, for promotional uh, sales. But it was a very interesting show. The, I was happy to hear that Dune got a sequel officially, even though we knew that was going to happen. But I think the biggest thing that everyone is talking about right, right now to see how it'll do is Eternals. I don't know how well it will do. I'm just saying. I I'm think just, you know. I'm, I'm predicting. I'm just throwing this out there without reading anything. I'm predicting maybe a 60 to $70 million opening. Hey, look. It, 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 Marvel has had a speed bump before. With The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Although I fucking loved The Incredible Hulk. I was a fan of that movie and the story and what Ed Norton did. Um, you, you know, not taking anything away from Ruffalo because I love that too. But uh, I'm just saying, if it does end up being a speed bump, it's not the first time. Yeah. You know, Dark World was kind of a not a favorite, but everybody still went and saw it. So, you know, if it is that, 
Um, it's going to move past it and everything will be fine. And these characters will be an important part of the universe moving forward, no doubt. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, I am super excited to see it. And if it doesn't do well because of the reasons that are being rumored out there um, of people not seeing it or putting it down, I'm going to be pissed off. Right. Because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Exactly. Stop the hate, man. I know. That happens with too many films. Too many films, like get a campaign around it basically to put it down to put negative press around it on rotten tomatoes so i don't i don't understand i don't understand why that happens just positivity man go see the film and then give your opinion you haven't even seen it yet exactly fucking people fucking people and i was also super excited about jenna dewan returning to superman and lois yes i mean it's definitely one of my favorite shows right now and i love the cast and i love everything they're doing pumped about that definitely man definitely but i mean bill murray is now in the mcu so only <laughs> one more has to enter i am determined to give you an answer about who i think he's going to be on next week's show yeah i'm gonna try to figure that shit out yeah i don't know but i mean of course the one the only oprah